Democracy. 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 Für ein starkes Europa der Kulturen und Regionen, welches nicht European Democracy Lab Podcast from the Institute of European Democrats. Lockdown can quickly become locked up for victims of domestic so violence. And girls to experience gender-based violence. Quarantines are essential to suppressing COVID-19. But they can trap women with abusive partners. Worldwide, the media have underlined how COVID-19 has brought about a rise in domestic gender violence. According to the United Nations, calls to helplines have increased fivefold in some countries as rates of reported intimate partner violence increase because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The UN also specifies that restricted movements social isolation and economic insecurity are increasing women's vulnerability to violence. So far this sounds quite bleak, but there is more. In fact, the consequences of COVID-19 on gender equality reach far beyond gender violence. The COVID-19 crisis is unraveling the progress that has been made over the past decades in fostering gender equality in the labor market. The urgency of my new book, Es geht nur gemeinsam, comes indeed from the pandemic crisis. Because in the pandemic, we see that cleavages, huge differences between men and women in Germany, in Europe, but most certainly worldwide, even increase. Jitta Almendinger is a renowned German sociologist and president of the WZB, the Berlin Social Science Center, as well as professor of educational sociology and labor market research at Humboldt University. Her latest book, Es geht nur gemeinsam, translated to We Can Only Manage This Together, was published in autumn 2020 and represents a critical analysis of the impact of COVID-19 on gender equality on the labor market based on German socioeconomic data. She explains how it all came about. While I was sitting in a talk show by Anne Will, which is one of the prime talk shows, and she was asking me, so what's going to happen with women in the future? And I said, well, I mean, if you look at the things and how they develop, it will be a huge re-traditionalization. So differences increase, we fall back 20 to 30 years. Retraditionalization. That's the key term that everyone is struck by from Professor Almendiger's analysis relative to how COVID-19 has impacted gender equality on the labor market, and more specifically, the situation of women. So what does she mean by retraditionalization? The thought is that we saw this increased reduction of labor force participation, that we saw that women withdraw from the labor market, and that the unpaid work increased by women more than men. But why did this happen? They locked down childcare, they locked down schools, and nobody even thought about that women had to take much more care of children, had to educate them, had to teach them and all the things. Doesn't smart working make it easier for everyone to cope with care work at home? Smart working has a gender. It means for women that they are able to combine work and family. For men, it means that they can work much more flexible. It does not reduce the wage gap, the income gap, the pension gap or the position gap. In relative terms, however, the number of hours dedicated to non-paid care work has increased more for men than for women. How does Professor Almendinger counter this criticism? 
But this I do not consider as a fair argument because you have to observe the level. And the level of hours worked has been quite different even before COVID comparing mothers and fathers. So you can't talk about proportional increase. You have to talk about the absolute numbers. And then, of course, the last question is, is it fair to measure the responsibility for children and your parents, for example, in terms of hours? No. It's much more suitable to think about mental or cognitive load, which are different concepts. And when you look at this psychological literature, it's very clear that mothers suffer profoundly. They suffered profoundly in the first lockdown and they suffer even more now. European Democracy Lab podcast. As a young mother in the mid-80s, I entered local politics in my rural community. I was soon elected councillor in Missen, a village in the mountain of Bavaria, close to the border with Austria. My first political meeting in my local council was such a cliché that you can't hardly believe. Our mayor said hello to me. He said, well, Ulrike, very nice that you are here now. So just take a seat there in the back. Take the seat close to the coffee machine. Ulrike Müller is a German politician and member of the European Parliament from Germany. She is a member of Free Voters and the executive vice president of the European Democratic Party. In 2020, Ms. Müller founded the European Academy for Equal Opportunities, a registered non-profit association for the promotion of equal opportunities between men and women and for the advancement of women in responsible honorary positions in politics and civil society. One of Ms. Muller's missions is precisely to fight gender inequality in the labor market. She describes how, across Europe, the employment rates for men and women of working age differ considerably. 73% for men and 62% for women. 30% of women work part-time, which is the case for less than 10% of men. And another 3% of women does not work because of the family and caring responsibilities. That is the case for only about 4% of the men. And therein lies a huge paradox. We invest huge sums of money in a higher education for women. And these women themselves invest time, energy and lifetime only to end up in unpaid care jobs or part-time employment. Okay, so that was a snapshot of gender inequality today. But where does all this come from? Or in other words... What are the obstacles that women are encountering in the labor market today? In terms of cultural dimensions, we, at least in Germany, but also in many other countries, equal mothers and children or children and mothers. So children belong to mothers. And if a mother does not care for children, if she does not leave the labor market for a couple of months, she in Germany at least is considered to be a raven mother. It's not just about culture. It is also about structural factors. The structural dimensions are all about system in which taxes are much, much lower if you earn differently in the labor market. And uh, of course, this is like a carrot, as I used to say, hanging down and giving a lot of incentives, in particular for women, to step down, to decrease the labor force participation. 
The analysis provided by Professor Almendinger is also confirmed by the work of the EIGE, the European Institute for Gender Equality, an independent body of the EU promoting gender equality and providing key analysis and recommendations for the European Commission and Parliament. Talking about Europe, what has the EU done to increase gender equality in the labour market? MEP Muller explains. The Treaty of Rome laid down first regulation about equal pay in 1957. Back in 2006, the Parliament and the Council adopted a directive on gender equality on the labour market. And there's another one on equal pay. The Parliament adopted the report on the European Gender Equal Strategy with provisions for the labour market and equal pay. The European Gender Equality Strategy is the latest bold move by the EU. More specifically, the EU Gender Equality Strategy delivers on von der Leyen's Commission's commitment to achieving a union of equality. The strategy presents policy objectives and actions to make significant progress by 2025 towards a gender-equal Europe. The key objectives are ending gender-based violence, challenging gender stereotypes, closing gender gaps in the labor market, achieving equal participation across different sectors of the economy, addressing the gender pay and pension gaps, closing the gender care gap, and achieving gender balance in decision-making and in politics. Sylvie Burnett is a French MEP, elected in the ranks of the French Democratic Movement Party. Just as MEP Muller, MEP Brunet is also part of the European Democratic Party. On the occasion of a plenary session of the European Parliament that took place in Brussels at the end of January, MEP Brunet underlined how important the European gender equality strategy is, connecting the latter once again with the COVID-19 crisis. However, she also stressed that the European Commission needs to follow suit with some concrete new measures. Madam President, dear Commissioner Dali, dear colleagues, finally a European Union strategy in favor of equality between women and men is being deployed. I welcome that. This strategy must be able to be measured in concrete terms by strengthening European standards in the area of non-financial information. Now, let's talk about schedule. Priority especially since COVID-19 has particularly affected women. 70% of the health and social services staff around the world is constituted of women. We also have noted with sadness the increase in domestic violence. We are still awaiting the Commission proposal on binding salary transparency measures. It was due to be presented before the end of 2020, and today it is not on the agenda of the College of the Commission for the next month. While there is still 16% of the hourly wage of average difference between women and men in Europe. Institutions do not act in a void. It is surrounded by society and social movements. Can the latter play a role in the fight against gender equality on the labor market? And can they be a game changer? Absolutely, yes. They are already do. Think of the public echo of Me Too and the significant action that followed. Our European Academy for Equal Opportunities is another civil society actor, and we hope to shape and influence public debate for the better. Eventually, MEP Muller argues that what is needed first and foremost, is real cultural change. I really hope that we can build up 
the critical mass to speed up the drive towards more equality and justice and, in the end, more democracy. We absolutely need the cultural change in order to reach and guarantee equality between the sexes. And the cultural change cannot be dictated from above. The European Democracy Lab podcast is a series by the Institute of European Democrats, a think tank and political foundation financed by the European Parliament. You can find more about this podcast and learn about our activities on the website www.iedonline.eu.